0: Get your Bibles out to the book of 2 Corinthians, the book of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, I've only had half a coffee this morning, but I got enough energy to run around this building, and I only got four hours of sleep. So, woohoo, y'all ready? Get ready, buck your seatbelt. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. If you got it, say, I got it. I got it. If you don't, say, Help me, Jesus. Well, praise the Lord, keep flipping in your Bibles. If you didn't bring your Bibles, start bringing your Bibles. Amen. We need the Word of God in the house of God. Amen? You wouldn't go to a classroom without your textbook. You might as well bring your Bibles to church. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, it says this. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Verse 10, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. <laughs> that means crazy. <laughs> I take pleasure in reproaches. I take pleasure in needs. Here it comes. I take pleasure in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is part two of Back to Basics as we continue in this series going over scriptures that we might have heard at moments in our lives. But it is my intentions over these weeks to break down scripture to give you the tools that each one of these scriptures have. I think so many times we read scriptures and we go, "Ooh, it sounds good for the moment. But how many of you know that the word was not created for you to feel good for a moment? It was created for you to feel good for eternity. The word has come to empower you, to strengthen you, to challenge you, to change you from the inside out. If you hear the word of God and it does not change you, you are ignoring it. And I don't care what verse you read. Every verse in the Bible from Genesis to Revelations has the same amount of power, the same amount of strength to change your life. Please do not ever get to a point where you read scripture and go, I've heard that before. Because if you tell God I've heard that before, then you are not listening to what he wants to speak to you in the moment you're standing in. So let me give you some backstory on this scripture. Paul begins to talk about what they describe as a thorn in his flesh. Some theologians think he is speaking about his eye. There was an ailment that he had at his eye in the book of Acts chapter 9. Some say the thorn that Paul was referring to was the church and its condition and its struggles. Can I ask you a question real quick? Does anybody in this room ever or has anybody ever had a thorn in their side? You might be... Well, amen. Family members, praise the Lord. It might be your boss. It might be a coworker. It might be a situation or a circumstance. Something that ails you. A thorn in my flesh or a thorn in my side means it's a continuous problem or annoyance. Anybody have it? those? Good. You're supposed to. Look, well, I just wanted to go. Uh-uh. Watch, because by the time you understand the power of the thorn, you'll understand what God's wanting to do in your life. This morning, this scripture is going to show you how to get through, overcome, and find victory and freedom in the midst of your thorn. So let's go back into verse 9 because I want to break this down for you this morning. In verse 9, in the very first portion of that scripture, it says, And he said to me. If you underline in your Bibles, I would encourage you to underline he said. Now, there's many scriptures in the Bible that says he said. This is not talking about your friends saying it. This is not talking about your friends on Facebook saying it. This is not talking about your mom and daddy saying it. This is not talking about your grandparents saying it or your great-grandparents saying it. We're talking about God himself. He said. How many of you in this room have a he said? Mm, three of you. I'm so glad I'm in the right room this morning. Okay, let, let, me, let me rewind for a second. Get your Bibles. Watch. Get your Bibles. Hoist them real high. Hold them up. Okay, now I'm going to ask again. How many of you have a he said? Now, see, this is the difference. Uh, Well, no, I needed a personal word. No, you have a word. Why do you need a personal word? This is full of personal words. So when you say, God, I don't have a he said. He's asking for who has a he said. I don't have one. All you got to do is grab your Bible. I got a he said. And this is my he said. And I get to live in he said. But For some reason, we're always worried about God trying to fix one moment rather than fixing us completely. What a definitive statement in this moment where he says, he said. He said. How many things has God said in his word or spoken to us in a moment of prayer that we doubted? Well, I told you, watch this, watch this. You ever had somebody promise to do you something or tell you they're going to do it but you had no hope that they would follow through with it? Can I tell you how many believers in the church do the same thing with God? God, I know you said it, but I need to see you do it. Now, we're talking about the creator of the heavens and the earth. We're talking about the one that slung everything into nothing and created everything. We're talking the one who breathed life into your body, counted the very hairs on your head, the one who gave you salvation, freed you from your sin, gave you eternal life. And yet sometimes when we pray, we have a tendency to forget what he said. We have a tendency to say, God, I hope you'll do it, but I don't know if you'll do it. Because really what it is is that we don't trust God, we hope in God. And here's the truth of it. When you're in sin, you hope in God. When you're in the world, you hope in God. Because your hope is that grace and mercy will come and find you. But once you find grace and mercy, now you have to transfer from hope to faith. Faith says that no matter what, if he said it, I believe it. Somebody used to say it, he said it, that settles it, it's done. He said it, that settles it, it's done. But we've got to get to the point that every time we read in Scripture when he says he said Shh, be quiet. Everything about to come out as truth. Everything I'm about to read is mine. Everything that's about to be said is, belongs to me because he said it. It is time that you and I live in the he said it. And if he said it, that settles it. Amen. So he goes, and he said, my grace. Mm. Now I'm going to have to sit here for a minute because I need to bring some correction to the church as a whole. This word, grace. The Greek word used here is called charis. It refers to Christ's power to help someone endure a hardship, be strengthened when struggling physically, mentally, or spiritually, or experience what? Forgiveness. Unfortunately, we have turned grace into the movement of salvation. Hmm. The Bible says his grace is sufficient. It says we're saved by grace. But the problem is, is that we have traded grace for repentance yeah. we have a grace heart rather than a repentant heart in other words what we're telling God is God you know my heart I can just come back to you you'll keep forgiving me you'll keep giving in I can just go back in sin and run back in and go back in sin and run back in I don't know if you read your Bible but the Bible says that those who continue to do that he'll let them go back to what they call a reprobate mind the Bible even says that he'll remove his hand of anointing from you because he's not going to be played with Now, I understand that's not popular teaching in the church anymore because everybody wants to hear about the good hand of the right hand of fellowship, the joy of the Lord, the peace of God. We want to hear about all the great things, but we don't want to hear that God says, listen, I'm not going to be played. I'm not going to be joked around and tugged around, and I'm not a monkey that does tricks for you. I am God of everything. And in me, you will trust me and you will walk with me. So when my grace is sufficient, it is to pull you out of a struggle so that you can walk in the fullness of what I have for you. It is not for you to keep running back to because you, can, you refuse to get your life right. He said, my grace. Can I just read this to you one more time? It refers to Christ's power to help someone endure a hardship. Be strengthened when struggling physically, mentally, or spiritually, or experience forgiveness. Here's the problem. We don't like forgiveness. We like sin. The only reason the church needs so much grace is because we refuse to separate from sin. So we have become a grace-oriented body of believers because we choose sin over a Savior. God said, I saved you from sin. Why do you keep? But God, you said your grace is sufficient for the dummy that was still in sin. But I took you out. Why'd you go back? I rescued you. I saved you. Why do you keep jumping in the water and saying, I'm drowning? That's your choice at this point. What do you want from me? My grace is sufficient for those who are dying and receive my grace. But you didn't receive my grace. You took it to get out of your troubles and then discarded it and went back to your old ways. Grace is unmerited favor, not unmerited excuses. Grace is unmerited favor, not unmerited excuses. I've said it a thousand and one times. The church today is cultured to say, but God knows my heart. Yes, he does. And sometimes he is not pleased with what we do. But yet we live in this space. Well, I can just keep coming back. I can just keep coming back. Let me, let me, let me say this to you. I'm going to bust a bubble real quick. And for all those watching, those of you in the room, there is no such thing as once saved, always saved. Okay, I'm going to prove it to you, right? Here it comes. Pastor, yes, it is. If I get saved when I'm three, I'm saved forever. Lies. Lies. I'm going to prove it to you. If you're on a cruise ship tomorrow, right? Most of us wouldn't be, but if you were. You're on a cruise ship tomorrow, and you fall overboard. And the team rescues you. They save you out of the water. Are you saved? You're saved, right? You've been saved, right? If you jump back in the water, are you still saved? No, you're drowning again. But I'm saved. See, that's the problem in the church today is that we think because we did it one time that we're, we're privy to not falling back into that stuff or that we can't go back. No, you can go and God will permit you to do it. God will say, listen, I love you, but I can't fight you. I will fight for you, but I will not fight against you. You are free to do. You have free will. But we have translated grace because we are better at excuses than commitment. We don't commit to God. We commit to the church. We commit to the feel good on Sundays. We need a good sermon, a good worship so that we can feel good about our churchdom. What do you do? Are you a Christian? Oh, I'm a Christian. I go to church on Sundays. Yeah, but you cuss like a sailor on Mondays. You do something, but God, your grace is sufficient. Yes, it is always sufficient. And my mercies are new every morning. But my God, what would your life be if you didn't need grace and mercy? What would your life be if you finally just depended on me? What if we actually believed what my word said instead of having to rewrite scripture to fit your narrative of your sinful ways? What if just maybe you chose me over everything else? My grace. God in His grace. Gives us what we do not deserve. And in his mercy, he does not give us what we do deserve. God's grace should enable us to rise above our circumstances. Overcome our struggles and walk in his forgiveness. God's grace is what gives you the push. It is not the thing that brings you home. His grace is sufficient to carry you. But salvation and repentance causes you to come home. Stop intertwining the two. Salvation and repentance. Repentance is not a one-day thing. It is a lifestyle. It is a daily. It is a daily. God, whatever is in me, get it out. Whatever is in me, get it out. Whatever is in me, whatever I allowed in my vessel, get it out. Whatever I looked at last night on television, that I know you walked out of the room and I thought I was okay because I thought I was spiritually mature enough to handle it. God, whatever is in me, if it's not of you, take it out because I don't want anything to uh, cause me not to walk into that place you've called home. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. He said it's sufficient, not an excuse for poor behavior. Sometimes God does not meet the need by substitution. I'm sorry, sometimes God does meet the need by substitution, but other times he meets the need by transformation. He doesn't remove the affliction, but he gives us his grace so that the affliction works for us and not against us. How many of y'all have gone through some stuff? Some of you are going through some stuff right now? His grace is sufficient. His grace is the thing, is the rope that's lowered down into the ditch where you are to help you climb out. But you're still going to have to climb, Jack. You're still going to have to enact your legs. But, but Pastor, then you enact your arms. But, Pastor, but, Pastor, I'm tired. Seriously? God says, I'm going to come to you, and I'm going to give you strength to come out of it. Can I just say this to you? I just, I see this so strong. We use God's grace to get us out without the effort of crawling out. God, bring your grace. God, get right up under this leg right here and push me. God, 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 you're not pushing. God, we're still stuck. Why aren't you doing your job? Because God's job is not to push you out, His job was to pull you out. Pushing means you rely only on him. Pulling means that you're in the fight with him. We've mistranslated this for so long. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. Listen, the test and trial will always be there, but so will his grace. It is adequate. It is complete. It is more than enough. But you have to stop trying to fulfill or to fill your moments with something other than his grace. Get rid of opinions. Get rid of your stinking thinking. Get rid of your excuses. Walk in his grace. It's more than enough. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. I've thought about this, and I said this a few minutes ago, but I really want you to let this sink into your head. What if you lived a life that did not need grace? I've had this thought over the years in my walk with God. What if I actually lived a godly life that did not require grace? me to ever touch his grace. Do you understand what that lifestyle would look like? Do you understand the commitment that it would take to pull that off? Do you understand the trust that would be required out of me as a believer to walk daily in that, to wake up in the morning and go, God, I don't need your grace because I'm already there. And I don't mean I've already arrived. I mean, I'm already walking with you. I don't need you to come and get me out. I already know you did it. I trust you. I'm fulfilled by you. I'm strengthened by you. When my body wakes up and it's not in line, I still cling to the cross. I still walk, a hold, walk over and grab the, hold of your, the hem of your garment and know that if just one touch, I can be completely restored. I trust you in all things, no matter what the circumstances are. Grace is to get you out. Grace is not so you can keep running back to it. You are saved by grace. You are saved by grace. If you have to keep relying on grace, then you're not saved. Let it sit. Let it rest. If you have to keep relying on grace, then you have not allowed God to save you yet. Grace comes in and pulls you. Grace doesn't leave you where you are so you can keep wallowing in it. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. And he goes on, he says, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now, every man in the room goes, uh-uh, I'm not weak. Let, let me help you out with something real quick. I'm going to say this to you. You're all going to get mad at me. It's okay. Get over it. Men, women, I don't care. Children, teenagers, I don't care. You're weenies. You're wimps. You're not strong. I have other words, but I can't use them. You are not as bad as you think you are. You are not as tough as you think you are. And if you are, then you don't need God. Let me help you with something for just a second. I don't care if you got muscles like Sean. (laughs) Boom, not me. No. I don't care if you're skinny and trim or big and bubbly, it doesn't matter. There is nothing in you that is bigger than the God that you serve. So if you will just go ahead and understand that I'm weak. Because when you are weak, he says, my strength is made perfect. It's not a physical stature. It's what you believe up here. that settles down into here. God, listen, I, I live this lifestyle of I'm completely stupid. Pastor, you're not stupid. I can hear some of y'all, Pastor, don't say that about yourself. There's power in your words. No, I'm completely ignorant. Let me tell you why I'm completely ignorant. Because God is way smarter than me so that when I walk into his presence and I walk into my time with him, I am a blank slate ready to listen and grow rather than walking in going, God, what's that? And God, why are you doing that? And God, I don't like that. And God, you need to do this. And God, if it was me, if I was God, I'd have done it this way. As opposed to walking in going, I don't care what to do. I'm ready to ride the ride. I'm ready to enjoy this moment. God, I am stupid. Listen, I've been reading your word for a long time, and there are still things I don't know yet. God, will you please keep talking to me? Because I need more out of you. I want to grow. I want to feed. I, wanna, I don't want, man. How many of y'all ever been spiritually hungry? Mmm. Mmm. Somebody like, no, I'm never spiritually hungry. Please, when we're done with this service, will you please write out your feeding plan so that I'm never spiritually hungry again? Because I want to do what you're doing. How many of y'all in this room have ever been spiritually hungry? Every hand should be like, that's me. And let me help you something. If you didn't raise your hand, that's because you're eating in places you ain't supposed to be eating. And calling it God. That's why, we, that's why we run to the television to watch services now instead of going back to the house of the Lord. When the Bible says, forsake not the gathering of the brethren in one accord. Why? Because we grow in strength when we come to each other. We grow in strength and we stand in agreement with each other. We find strength when we come together. But nobody wants to come together anymore because we really don't believe his word. We just believe in church. Or the feeling of. I'm trying to be careful. He says, My strength is made perfect in weakness. God is not referring to your own strength, but His strength in you. Your weakness in moments provides the opportunity for God to show His power. How many of y'all want to see God's power? Then become a wussy. Some of y'all want, Pastor, I want a roar. I want to roar. You talk about roaring like lions. I want to roar. I want to be bold as a lion. Then you got to let him become the lion on the inside of you. Because most of us go to roar and sound like a bunch of whimpering kittens. <laughs> I'll just tell you a quick story. The other night we were at the house and, and, and it's been a what, week and a half ago, maybe two weeks ago. I'm sitting in the, in the living, in the kitchen and I hear st- meow. <laughs> Hell has come to visit my house. I'm sorry for those of you who like cats. I despise cats. So you know my terminology. I think cats guard the gates of hell. That's just me. Don't get mad at me. I'm just telling you why. Okay. Um, and and so, so I'm sitting there. And I'm like, oh, no. No, no. It's close. It's real close. I go outside in the garage. That sucker is tucked behind the hot water heater in my garage. I'm like, the devil's a liar. So I start coaxing the cat out. I'm, I'm standing in my, in my front drive, going, meow, meow. The cat's like, hey. I'm like, meow, meow. I'm trying to find every version to make that cat come here. Meow, meow. I don't know what I got to do, but you got to come out. So it starts coming, but I noticed it was like rubbing up on everything and scenting my garage. Then my, my daughter has a friend that we call her the cat lady because cats just are attracted to her. I don't know what it is. And um, so she came running out with my daughter, and the cat just runs right up to her. And I'm like, oh, great. So we're trying to do the nice thing. And I'm like, this looks like it's somebody's cat. We're trying to, you know, come, I'm, look, man, I'm, I'm really stepping out of my comfort zones, man. I'm like, oh, God, help us. And so, like a dummy, I fed the cat. <laughs> So the the next day, the cat comes back. No! Stands at the front door. Right at the window. Shut the lights off. I go to the kitchen. It goes around the house to the kitchen window. Shutting all the lights off. Go to the living room. Sit on the couch. She comes to the back window. I'm going to shoot the cat. Little I said, that cat's going to die. Run, okay. So we get away from it. Two days later, I come back. I pull into the driveway. I Think we're all good. All of a sudden, from two houses down, anybody want to do it with me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, No, it won't go back. Okay, why did I tell you that story? I still don't know why I tell you the story. I just need you to live my pain for a moment. But the truth be told is, is that we do that a lot with God. We do a lot of meowing instead of just trusting who He is in our lives. That cat needed me to be his answer. Or her answer or whatever it was. My daughter goes, it was a she, dad. It was a she. Okay. It, he, she needed me to be the one fulfill her. The truth be told is, is that she couldn't live unless someone tended to her. Neither can you. But you got to let him tend to you. You got to let him become your strength, not your weakness. He said, my strength is made perfect in whose weakness? Somebody say mine. Say it's okay to be weak. Tell me I had a problem with that one. I'm not saying that. <laughs> we try to be strong in our own rights, in our own doings, in our own walks. But that's the problem. We're doing things on our own. We present ourselves strong instead of humbly coming before the throne of God. Stop coming to him with your chest out. Flexing your muscles, wearing an S on your chest. Flexing your Bible skills or your longevity in a church seat. Don't come to him with, God, I've been saved for 22 years. But you sinned yesterday. See, here's the problem. We think that just because we've been in a church pew or we've been sitting inside of a church for since we were a kid, listen to me, I cut my teeth in the church. And I ran like hell from the church. I did everything I shouldn't have done. And then God brought me full circle. The problem is we think that once we've done it, that we're not we're not privy or not susceptible to the fiery darts of the enemy. We forget that the enemy is looking for a way to steal, kill, and destroy. He is looking to rob us of our dreams and destinies. He is looking to get our eyes off the prize. All he needs is a moment with you. But you're going to have to give him access for him to get it. Or you're going to have to not let your armor be strengthened in him. You've got to understand that you don't know how to wield what God's given you. You're going to need him to walk with you while you wield it. You're going to have to let him encourage you and strengthen you and tell you you're doing it the wrong way. Okay, God, so show me the right way. Not God, I appreciate you telling me I'm wrong, but I don't know if I want to listen anymore. It's like when God says, hey, that, I'm done, you're done with that relationship. But, but God, I need to keep that relationship. No, you need to let that go. But, but God, but God, and that, that, that relationship is detrimental. It's painful. It's going to kill you. But yet you keep it going because you think that you're not going to survive without that relationship. There is only one relationship in this world that you will not survive without, and that is God. Amen. There is only one. And if you put your hope in everybody else, let me promise you, it's going to be a struggle. That's right. The Bible says that your mother and father will forsake you. Your mother and father, can I, can I, can, can I just say this? To some of your mom and dad's like, I would never do that. No, it's not saying that you're a, a sinful, horrible person. It says you're going to make mistakes, you're going to come up short. But God doesn't ever come up short. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. How many of you got some weaknesses? Understand that you're never going to overcome them unless God steps in. And it's okay to be weak. God, I struggle in this area. God, I need your help. God, I'm not good at this. God, I'm not good at this. Help me. Help me. Oh, God, help me. So many times we don't trust him to be our help. We, don't, we want to come in and be strong. I'm not going to the altar. I don't want anybody to think that I've got a problem. That's your first problem. You don't think you have a problem. Why is it that we're so stuck in ourselves to say, no, I look, I'm, I'm, look how great I am. You're not. He is. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Can I just say that one more time for you? Greater is he that's where? Somebody say in me. In me. Stop looking at your neighbor going, God's great in them. I wonder why he's not great in me. And for you seasoned folk, let me help you with something real quick. God's not greater in you than it is in the one that got saved last week. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He changes not. I don't care how much knowledge you have. Do you have wisdom? So many times we're chasing knowledge. We go, well, I know this, and I know that, and I know this, and I know that. But do you understand it? (laughs) Because if you understood it, you'd be like this. Wisdom keeps you quiet. Knowledge makes you boisterous in your mouth. It makes you prideful. It makes you prideful. Don't seek knowledge. Seek wisdom. What does God speak rather than what you want to interpret? So many people want to tell me where they are or what they what they're capable of. I know who I am. Then how come you're not fulfilling it? I know what God's called me to. So how many times does He have to tell you before you finally step out? Oh, you need another you need another word from another preacher, another service, another conference, another this, another that. God's been talking to you for 15 years and you didn't want to listen. But but pastor, I just I'm just not ready yet. So don't tell me you know. Don't even tell me you understand. Tell me you're just not ready to be obedient yet. But don't walk in and tell me how great you are. You're not that great. I'm not that great. Please trust me. I could stand up here and list accolades for hours about some of the crazy stuff I've been able to do since I was 19 years old. But you don't ever hear me talk about it. Why? Because none of that matters to where I'm standing today none of those moments matter to where I am right now. Yes, those were great seasons. Yes, I got to do things that most people never get to. Yes, I've been a lot of places and seen a lot of things, but this is the moment I'm existing in. This is where I reside. This is what I do. So let me just do it and let you see it. Ah, This is not even a sermon, but I just got to say this. Stop telling everybody who you are and just show it. Don't tell me how great you are. Show it. Let the fruit grow on your tree and let people crawl up under your tree because your tree is healthy and planted by the rivers of living water rather than planted in the backyard of your own personal agendas. We present ourselves strong instead of humbly coming before the throne room of God. Humbly, 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 not braggadociously, not, I don't know why I'm here. Oh, you know why you're here. You need something. Stop coming to Him thinking you've got all the answers. If you don't, if you do that, then you're already strong and you're saying to God, I don't have any need of you. Right. How many of you need, you've asked God to do something in your life? Okay, this is an interactive sermon, so this should probably be everybody in the room. So let me try this one more time. How many of you have ever asked God to do something in your life? Okay, that's still Some of y'all aren't raising your hand. That's praise God. I'm, we're going to get you there one day. <laughs> I, I don't have enough hands to lift on how many times I've asked him to do something in my life. But why is it that when we come to him and ask him to do it, we hit the stopwatch and give him a time limit to perfect us? It's like this. If you go in for heart surgery, do you tell the heart surgeon how long he has to fix your heart? Or do you just sit back and relax? And When the ride's over, the ride's over. Trust me, you're not going to remember it anyway. Because I promise you, when I went down and woke back up, it felt like five minutes. So many times we say, God, here we go. This is your timeline. We're talking about the author and creator of time. The one who wrote the beginning to the end. He is the alpha and the omega. We are not. But so many times we have this tendency to give God a, di- uh, 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 okay, not just time. Let's take the time limit out of it. Let, let, okay, God, here's the house. I need you to build it this way. God, if you don't do it this way, I don't want it. God goes, but I need to start from the bottom up. But God, I just want the pretty stuff. But God goes, but I need to dig up the dirt first. I need to deal with the foundation stuff. But but, but God, I already have a foundation. That's the problem. You're trying to build a house on your broken foundation, and I need to fix the foundation or just tear the whole thing up and give you a brand new one. He said, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Why is it that we refuse to allow ourselves to be weak when it comes to the things of God? It doesn't mean you're walking around with your head held low and you're oh, such a failure. What you're saying is, God, I, I'm not strong without you. You know that scripture in Philippians says, I can do all things through Christ who. So if all things are not being done by you, then Christ hasn't strengthened you to do it yet. So you got to let him become your strength. He said, my strength is made perfect. My power in you, my dunamis is made perfect in the midst of your weakness. Listen, don't go to the gym and tell the trainer how to train. You won't need him. Don't tell the surgeon how to operate. You won't need him. Don't tell God what to do or how to walk with you. You won't need him. He said, my grace is sufficient. And my strength for my strength is made perfect. In weakness goes on. It says, Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Did you hear what he just said? Y'all, y'all read this with me? Please tell me y'all are reading this. Because this man, this made me mad. Therefore, I, will, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may. So God, in order for me to let the rest of Christ come upon me, I need to boast in my infirmities. Yeah, you need to quit complaining about them and just celebrate them. Right. How many of y'all have been through a tough moment? Okay, once again. Participation, amen. <laughs> you ever been through a rough moment? Pastor, I've been through a rough moment. How many of y'all go through a rough moment right now? What you talking about right now? <laughs> I don't understand why I got to go through this. I don't understand why. I just wish everything would change. I, I'm tired of waking up feeling this way. I don't understand why my heart's broken. I don't understand why my family's broken. I don't understand why my wife won't look at me the way she used to look at me. I don't understand why my marriage isn't working. I don't understand why my kids are all hellions. I don't understand. What? <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to, Father, I don't understand, but I know you're a way maker. So in this moment, I'm going to worship you and I'm going to thank you for everything that you are. I might not see it, but I know what to declare in this moment. So I'm going to let my declaration become louder than my opinions. So, Father, I declare that my children are coming back to the cross. I declare that my marriage is whole. I declare that my finances are strengthened. I, I declare that my home is in order. I declare, Father, I worship you. I thank you for the struggle because the struggle only leads me to a greater victory. Father, I thank you that this struggle is here because this struggle will be a stepping stone to my victory. Father, I'm going to shout from the rooftops, but you don't have to put me on the rooftop to shout because I'm going to shout now. I'm going to declare it now. I'm going to decree it now. I'm not going to wait for it to get better. I'm going to get better right now. Father, you're obviously letting me walk through this moment because you're trying to do something in my life. So instead of me running around going, why me? I'm going to say, God, what, Lord? what do you want from me? I'm willing to do it because I want to grow in you. I want to grow in your purpose and your power. Some of y'all are not catching this yet. God, I, eh, Listen, good God from Mount Zion, help us. I love when people go, man, I'm a, I'm a man or woman of God. Here, listen to what they say. It's like, God, could you tell your mouth to talk like what you say? Because, man, I'm waiting for it. I don't want you walking in a room going, "Oh, pastor, are you okay? Okay, like this, pastor. When you had your hard stuff, pastor, I feel like that's an assignment of the enemy to kill you. Really? Sorry, you feel that way. I didn't catch that memo." I didn't get that one. This was just an infirmity I walked through and I worshiped my way through it. Yeah, I had my struggles, but then I realized that the reason I was walking through it was because God was trying to build my faith. But I had to find Him in the midst of the infirmity, not wait till He pulled me out of the infirmity. I had to find Him in the midst of the struggle, not wait till He got me out of the struggle. You got to learn to worship Him in the valley, not wait for the mountaintop experience. You got to get in the moment and say, God, I'm not going to build my house here, but this one's going to help me build a greater foundation than you. So, God, whatever you got to do in me, I'm willing to do it. So now, when things don't work the way I want them to, now when different things happen, I go, God, if you could save me from a heart condition, what else are you possibly going to do in my life next? And oh, God, I'm never going to make it. God, you saved me over there. Why aren't you saving me now? You doubter. Oh, ye of little faith. He goes on and says, Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities. These infirmities were not sin, but struggles in life. Grace does not give you the ability to boast in your sin or make excuses for it. It gives you the ability to overcome it. He said, I would gladly talk with satisfaction in my struggles. Stump your toe, and instead of cussing, praise the Lord. Praise him. <laughs> okay, I'm better. I'm just kidding. just kidding. The truth is that that's what we do. We get into a moment and it's a struggle and we tend to say everything else contrary to the word. What if I told you that what you declare in the midst of a struggle will determine how long you stay in the struggle? What if I told you the struggle was created to get a better praise out of you? What if I told you the struggle comes to strengthen you, to build you up, to cause you to launch forward? What if I told you that you see it as a personal problem? God sees it as an opportunity to launch you into something greater. Oh, God, shut up and worship him. Stop looking at your struggles. You're not Jesus. You're not on a cross. Suck it up, buttercup. I woke up this morning and somebody said they didn't like me. They cussed Jesus out, spit on him, cut him, beat him, put a crown of thorns on his head. None of you in this room have gone through that yet. And yet he still glorified the Father. He still glorified the father therefore most gladly i would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of christ may rest upon me that power of christ may rest upon me that his power might rest it doesn't even have to move it just can rest (sighs) how would how would you feel tomorrow morning if you woke up and knew that the power of god was resting on you (laughs) Ah, say ah. Okay, so I've said this to people in the years past, that when you go to bed at night, you strip off all of your weights. You lay your stuff. To, come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. You're like guys, what we do, we empty our pockets, we put everything on the table next to us, right? Why is it that, men, we put everything back in our pockets the next morning? Come on, work with me, men. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Like the piece of paper and everything, it just goes right back in the pockets. You're like, I don't know, I just think I need it for later. I'm gonna, I need this one too. I don't know why I need this one. I know it's trash, but I'm, it's a gum wrapper, but I ah, will put it back in there. Why not? Okay. We all complain, I I hate carrying change, and we just shove it all back in. We're walking down straight. Okay. But every night you go to bed, you deal with stuff, right? Come on, work with me. You go to bed, you're ready to leave that stuff down, right? Why is it that we think we have the need to pick it back up the next morning? If you have the strength to lay it down, can you have the strength to leave it alone? Lay it down and walk away from it. Okay. How many of y'all at times go to bed at night with pain in your body? Okay. You lay it down. It feels good to get in that bed. You're like, ah. Why is it that when we wake up the next morning, we go looking for it? Where, where did it go? God, where did you take my pain? That's my pain. I want it back. Okay, this morning I woke up, and my back was tight. I, 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 I've, I've dealt with back issues for a long time, and, and, and I, was, I was like, ooh, that, I know what that feels like. Uh-uh, devil's was liar. Nope, not going to do it. Went to the bathroom, got in the shower, did all things I got to do. Not hurting right now. Pastor, how are you not hurting right now? Because I didn't give the pain time. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't give pain me. Right, I went, that's not for me. God, you said you took that pain. I'm done with it. Saying you're a liar. You're not messing with me this morning. So I'm done with it. I didn't go around asking God if I could have it back. Can I tell you this? I've watched people get healed of things. And then get it back. You want to know why? Because they went back looking for it. Because they didn't know how to live in freedom. They just knew how to live in pain. So they went and picked it back up and put it on, the, on their shoulders. Here's the great part. Jesus said one thing. He said, carry your cross. Not your infirmity. Your cross. The thing that's come to set you free. So if I translate that, Jesus says, daily, pick up your freedom. Stop picking up your bondage. Walk in your freedom, but when struggles come, celebrate. When things don't work the way you want them to, celebrate. How many of y'all like to be at Walmart and you go to the twenty-item or less lane, and that person in front of you's got like forty-two items? How many of y'all want to tell that person, "Excuse me, play a Karen," and be like, "Excuse me, um, this is twenty items or less." How many of y'all have ever done that? One, did one tell them? One tell them? Or you're standing at Walmart and somebody goes, "Meow." In front of you, you're like, for real. Watch, watch, watch. What if just maybe God knows that the moment you get out of that Walmart, you're going to go back to your schedule, that you're going to miss him talking to you, and maybe he wants to talk to you in that moment? What if he's slowing you down to speak to you? How many of you get mad when you don't find a close parking place? Uh, Some of of y'all got nice cars. Like, no, I park in the back of the parking lot. Amen. That's where I park my Jeep now. Amen. We're like walking. We're walking to Walmart, Jack. We're parking at Cracker Barrel and walking to Walmart. (laughs) Okay, wait. Ben's over here. Amen, Amen. Amen. The truth be told is that sometimes God is trying to get a hold of you. Rest. Rest in what you see as a struggle. Because it's in the midst of your struggle that God is going to strengthen your life. But it will all be determined by what comes out of your mouth in the middle of the struggle. What are you saying in the midst of your struggles? Complaining and comparing, or declaring and decreeing? Celebrate in your struggles, and you'll see God in the midst. I'm almost done. I promise. In verse 10, it says, "I therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distress for Christ's sake." The word pleasure is defined as this: a feeling of happy satisfaction or enjoyment. Therefore, I put on or carry or demonstrate a feeling of happy satisfaction and enjoyment in infirmities, reproaches, needs, persecutions, and distresses. Okay, I'm going to use a person in this room that I know it'll work for. Um, most, some of, most of you know this, but Miss Pam was diagnosed with cancer. Not ever one time did you ever hear her say statements like this. This is killing me. I can't do this. I don't know if I'm going to make it. This is too much for me to handle. Every time you spoke to her, this is all you heard. God's going to set me free and heal me. Every time. I am a fervent believer that it is not the chemotherapy that healed her. I am a fervent believer. It is the declaration out of her mouth, decreeing the God she serves that took hold of the infirmity and said, in your weakness, I'm about to become your strength. So much so that she comes out of her last chemo, and then she has to have her gallbladder removed. Like, you go out of cancer, and then you have a gallbladder issue, and they have to remove your gallbladder. Here's the stupid part. You know where she was days after her gallbladder surgery? Why? Because God has become the strength of her life. Is there anything too hard for God? Then we have to walk it that way. Because what we say is, no, there's nothing too hard until the struggle comes. He said, therefore, I take pleasure. I put on a happy face. I'm satisfied with my infirmities, in my reproaches, in my needs, in my persecutions, in my distress. For Christ's sake, for Christ's sake, so that I might bring him glory. I am a fervent believer in this. God does not allow you to go through things for your sake. He allows you to go through things for other people's sake. Because when he heals you, it's not to heal you. It's to cause a revolution of the people around you. God does not do things for you without the intention of touching a multitude in the moment. Stop getting caught up in what you need. And understand that you are a vessel for his purpose. And whatever he chooses to do is his prerogative. Just trust him in the moment. He said, for Christ's sake. So in other words, anything that comes my way, any struggle that comes my way, God's working this thing. I don't know what's coming. I don't know what's going to happen, but God's working this thing. I don't know why we got to walk through these struggles, but God, you got us. I don't know why we got to deal with this, Father, and sometimes I want to complain, but I trust you in the middle of it. I trust you to work it out, so I'm going to rest in you. For Christ's sake, do you trust God to finish the work he started? You are a vessel for his glory. For whose glory? So to stop putting up your trophies on your mantles and telling everybody how great you are. Let your trophies rest on his mantle and let him show you off. Last piece. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but I want to show this to you. For when I, somebody say I. I am am weak. weak. I am is strong. The Bible declares that he is the great I am. I am what? Whatever it is you need, he is. When you are weak, I am as strong. It is okay to be weak. Weak does not show that you are incapable. Weakness actually puts you in position to receive some of the greatest things he has for you. When I am weak, then I am as strong. I want to read this context to you one last time out of the message version. Because I think it will drive the point home. And this is where we'll close. 2 Corinthians chapter... Twelve. It actually reads from verse 7 through 10 in the message version. It says, because of the extravagance of those revelations. So I wouldn't get a big head. I was given the gift of handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Satan's angel did his best to get me down. When he in fact, what he in fact did was push me to my knees. No danger, then, of walking around high and mighty. At first, I didn't think of it as a gift and begged God to remove it. Three times I did that, and then he told me, my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in and on my weakness. Now I take limitations in stride, and with good cheer, these limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, oppositions, bad breaks, I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. I know like a lot of us in this room, we've been facing pollen and allergies and... I've been fighting it all week and it got really bad Friday night and I was in bed and my wife was out of town and I was trying to handle the kids and I had promised the kids on Saturday we would go and hang out and took the Jeep to a big Jeep thing that we did in Mandeville and and just hung out with the kids and I told you the night before I said son I'll be honest I really don't want to do tomorrow I said I just don't feel good son and I said but 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 I promised you guys we were going to do it so I'm going to do it anyway and I, I got through yesterday and Tiff came home and I was in bed and I wasn't feeling good. And I started really thinking about that statement and I I, I thought about why I ended up doing it anyway. Because here's the crazy part I left not feeling good. The whole day I felt fine. By the time I got home, I started feeling bad again. I remember when things were on a timeline. I felt like I had to fix everything. I had to put everything in play because I didn't know what tomorrow was going to hold. And in fact, I ran into somebody at, at CVS the other day. Was asking me about Pastor, how's your heart? And you know, I was like, man, it's it's I'm I'm good. Like I, I deal with blood pressure stuff still, but my heart's beating like it's great. I haven't had one problem since the surgery. But I was reminded in that moment that I didn't go because I had to. I go went because I wanted to. And I was able to overlook my struggles because I cherish the moments with my kids that's not promised to me. And you can ask the kids. I told them in the car. I said, man, this is fun, but I wish your mama was here. Because I miss those moments. I, I, like me, I, I know like Sean's story, Sean Berger's story. And him and I have talked about how important his family is to him. Because life was against him too. He almost lost everything. And, and maybe that's your story too, but, but in the midst of it, we sit back and we talk about the goodness of God in the land of the living. Man, I thank God for my struggles. I thank God for what I went through. But, but, man, it causes me to look at things completely different. I don't stress out when it gets tough. I just thank God. Because at least I'm here to go through the struggle. At least I'm here to conquer the things in front of me. At least I can find my way through it because I know, I know God's got me. When things don't work favorable for me, when things don't work the way I want it, I don't freak out. I just back up and go, God, I don't understand. But you're in control. I don't have time to worry. You're the author and finisher of my faith. And in my weakness, you become stronger. So, God, I'm weak in this moment. Last night, I went to bed at probably 2 o'clock. Well, it was 1 o'clock, and then all of a sudden my clock said, oh, it's 2 o'clock. And I went, ooh, Jesus. Jesus then I go to bed, and then at like 4 o'clock in the morning, my son sits up straight in his bed and is crying, my little one. And he, Mommy, Mommy. So I, I get up, and I run out of the room and go in his room, and I end up crawling up in his twin bed with him, which you all know for a big dude like me, that's really uncomfortable. And get him back to sleep, him laying on my arm. Now my left arm completely sound asleep. I can't feel my fingertips. and. I'm just like, oh, God, i got to go back to bed. And I go back to bed, and I get into bed, and it's 6 o'clock, and I'm supposed to get back up in 30 minutes. Y'all ever done those things? And you're like, God, can you just extend time a little bit, just just a little bit. You ever had those moments where you lay your head down for 30 minutes, and it feels like you laid down for three hours? That's what happened to me this morning. I laid down at 6 o'clock in my bed, and I swear to you, 30 minutes felt like three hours of sleep. And I woke up, and I was like, that's weird. Because I usually don't feel like this. But I didn't complain about it. I didn't complain when my son was crying in the middle of the night. I went in and I took care of him. We laid, I laid in the bed and I started praying over him. Father, I thank you. Whatever woke him up, God, is going to go dissipate. Father, I speak strength over his life, over his mind, over his heart. Father, whatever he was fearful of, Father, I pray that spirit to be lead, to leave right now. We both fell asleep like that fast. I didn't wake up this morning and go, God, where's my, where's my Zionist stuff? And where's my, oh, God, no. I woke up and said, God, I give you praise this morning. Whatever you choose to do, I'm going to trust you. Where are you at right now? Watch. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It's okay to go through, but go through. Don't stay. Everybody stand to your feet. Take a deep breath while you stand right now. See, here's what happens. The moment church is over and then I get to the point of closing service, everybody's brain goes into the moment of what's next. Amen. Where am I going to eat? Amen. What am I going to try not to eat? Amen. Amen. But where are you going to end up? Amen. Okay. Where you go into, I got to do my finances or I got to deal with work tomorrow morning. I got to stop. You're here. Stay right here for just a moment. Let God conquer you in this moment. Stop trying to conquer every moment. I'm going to say this to you this morning. I came in and I'm I'm working with the worship team right now and we're moving forward and they did a great job this morning and and I'm so proud of this team and and I'm so excited to see what's to come. And I was back there and of course, you know, I'm the pastor and so on. I'm usually not in this role, and, and I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. I'm. Ah, my, my mind is frozen I'm running here and there. And Mr. Chris doesn't even know it, but he just looked at me and goes, Pastor, it's going to be okay. He go, Pastor, you should know that. Yeah, but I let my moment catch me. And then God sent him to just say, hey, it's going to work. Rest in it. And I let that, and I was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Because of course, as the pastor, you never want to act like you're not there. Come on, work with me for a second, y'all. I think I wouldn't to tattle on myself. But he was right. I had to rest in the moment, so I let go, had fun. You're in this moment. So many times where, what time is it? It's Eleven forty-two. Oh God. Oh God. Why does he go? Why does he go two hours on a Sunday? Because most of y'all need two hours. Amen. No, I need way more than that. But you're in this moment. What does God want to talk to you about right now? About my kids, about, about my job, about my finances. About. Shh. What does he want to speak to you right now? Right where you stand with every eye closed in this moment. Keep your eyes closed. Most of you lack vision because you refuse to see what God sees. You want to see what you want to see, and you refuse to see what God sees. Anything contrary to the world, word is not what God sees. Stop signing up for things that God didn't tell you. You will be a great mother. You will be a great father. You will be a great husband. You will be a great wife. You shall succeed. You shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand but no plague shall come nigh thy dwelling you are the righteousness of your father in you in him in you he is well pleased he is the glory and the lifter of your head he is your alpha to the omega your beginning to the end He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and He changes not. Come on, stay in this moment right here. I speak life over you right now. I speak healing over your bodies. I speak the peace of God to calm your inner man. I declare the joy of the Lord to be your strength. I declare a merry heart to do good like medicine. I declare the peace that passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds as you focus on Jesus. I declare every crooked path to be made straight. Every broken road to be restored. Every failed relationship to be healed. For your heart to be mended. I declare that you are not a mistake, a failure, a happenstance, or a circumstance. You are your Father's favorite. and He is well pleased with you. Look at me. Pastor, you're sitting down. Yep. Because you needed to hear it. Stop looking for the word of the power moment. I need a declaration of a word. You got a full book of them. Let them feed you. Let them strengthen you. It's good for my wife to go out of town sometimes because I realize how much I'm blessed. How much I cannot do without her. But I also remember who gave her to me. And in my worst moment, in my biggest struggles, when I was all alone, God said, if you trust me, I'll bring the right thing to you. And I sit down and do what I tell you. This is not to put a spotlight on her, but this is just to show you that even in my worst moments, God still was the strength of my life. Sometimes you just got to stop. Breathe in what he has for you and exhale what's not from him. Father, today I ask right now that your grace be sufficient and that your strength be made perfect in our weakness. That God, if through every struggle, Through every moment, we would find our celebration. We would find our declaration. We would find our peace in you and rest that even through trials and tribulations, your word says you always make a way of escape. Is there anything too hard for God? Then let him have it. Father, I declare in this moment, hearts are being healed. Infirmities are dying. Life is being given. And as we leave this place today, God, we will turn what the enemy meant to destroy us with. We will turn it into the greatest celebration. Because it is that through that celebration where we take the next step into a greater place with you. God, I thank you for my heart problems. I don't think I've ever told you that. God, I thank you for my heart stuff. Because it opened my eyes to see how blessed I am. Thank you for all my struggles. Thank you for my jail time. Thank you for every mistake I made. Thank you for being the strength of my life. Now, Father, as we leave this place today, God, I ask that you give us traveling mercies as we go home. Let your anointing be upon us. Let your strength be in us. Let us conquer the weak ahead of us, God. Not because we're strong, but because you're strong in us. In our weakness, you become our strength. God, we need you to be the strength of our lives. Take us from this place. Give us traveling mercies as we go home. Let us have a great day of rest and relaxation. Fun with our families. Let us be prepared to tackle Monday knowing that, God, you are walking with us. I declare the angels of the Lord and camp round about us and go before us and come behind us. Father, it's going to be a great week. We thank you for it with expectation in our heart, declaration in our mouth, knowing that you are the one who brings us strength. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen.